Hey everybody, welcome to the 5 for 5 podcast. My name is Panchito and as always, I'm joined for another episode by Mike. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good, man. How about you? I'm doing all right. I'm excited for another episode. I'm always excited because we always have a good chat. I'm pumped. As everybody knows, this is a show where we play for pointless points and pointless prizes. But the journey through history is priceless. Today's going to be my turn to go through a story. We are in 1975 to 1980, and if you want, we can get into that right after this. Let's do it. All right, Mike, I've got my story. You ready to hear it? Yeah, definitely. This one is about video games, so get pumped. Okay, all right. Uh, It's from 1977, and it comes out of Massachusetts. Okay. Okay. It says, video games, just a passing fad, top toy company executive says. Okay. The toy industry will be making more and more electronic games in the future, but video entertainment is just a passing fad, says an official in the world's largest and oldest game company. Americans love gadgets, and this is just another gadget, Michael Moon of the Milton Bradley Company said Thursday. The problem with the toy industry historically is that it overreacts to trends. It's the same thing that happened to CB radios, 35mm photography, and stereo components, he said. Moon said people become bored with video games after about a month, but he said Milton Bradley and the rest of the industry is moving toward electronic games. He noted that his firm has introduced two new electronic games for this year, the Comp 4 and Electronic Battleship. The electronic line now represents about 15% of the sales of the company founded in 1886. And that's the whole thing. That was a really interesting article, man. I think it's pertinent for like a ton of reasons, right? Oh, definitely. Before we go forward, though, what was that percentage again that electronics, uh, electronic toys made of their sales? The electronic line now represents about 15% of the sales for the company. This is for Milton Bradley in 1977. 15%. I mean, that to me seems like something to at least pay attention to, right? How about something just to not underestimate? I I definitely agree with that notion. So Milton Bradley later on got purchased by another big toy company, and they're not really around anymore. But But, I remember growing up with them. Yeah, their games are still around, like Battleship, right? You know, for example. And but they did also invent probably one of the most popular electronic games, which was Simon. Imagine that. I don't think to me Simon comes off like really electronic games so much as like a pattern game right but it is based on technology right what comes to mind for me is more like a handheld remember those old school video games like yeah like the tech mobiles yes that that's actually the first thing that like came to mind when i thought of electronic games yeah i had 1942 1943 the airplane shooter yes i remember that one but how like it's it doesn't surprise me that the 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 CEO or the head of the oldest toy company would react that way about electronic games in that era. Why doesn't it surprise you? It doesn't surprise me because it's like they're they're old. I mean they're old uh-huh. and they're often set in their ways. See, I see it from a marketing perspective. I think that they were sitting on a gold mine and didn't know what to do with it. Mm, interesting. So a good example of that for me how knowing how to market something and design something so well that it's easily marketable comes into play, right? Mm. Like Lego. Okay. It's a super, super simple design, but it's a genius design. Right. And even though it hasn't hardly had to change too much, 
the marketing goes a long way because they know to make new sets based on popular things. Right. And the way that they're made makes it very adaptable so that they can just change it to whatever is in vogue. Right. And I get the sense that this guy, maybe from Milton Bradley, just sees an electronic game like a Tecmo Bowl or something like that as technology sitting in a little case that they designed. But it's not really so much a toy. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So what they should be selling is the game itself, but they're selling the handheld. Yeah, it's too uh, it's too product centric. Right. They don't understand the abstract of like selling a shooter. They're too early for that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> what is this, late 70s? Yeah, 77. Too early. Like they just uh, lump everything into just toy. It's true. Yeah, video games are regarded as toys. At this point, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I don't even go so far to say even in my childhood. Oh, they yeah. They were still like, I mean, I, I'm a 90s kid, and it was considered toys. You look up any category that you, you were trying to find about video games, you usually could find it within a toy category. Yeah, and technology-based toys had to either really look like technology. So, like, think back, like, Casio keyboards or even, like, the original NES. It's real boxy and techy looking, right? Or they had to look flat out like a toy. That's true. There, it was uh, very black and white. And now, I mean, now the consoles are designed to like blend in more with like your the rest of your stereo equipment and stuff like that, right? As our ability to shrink processors has advanced, we've been able to make technology more beautiful. And that's another thing that this guy couldn't have foreseen, right? The fact that it was going to grow technology-wise as fast as it did. Yeah, like it's interesting. He was definitely uh, throwing out a lot of interesting facts regarding people's attention span with video games or their Uh desire to want to continue to play. I found that very interesting. However, you would have thought for a man who was able to dig up these these facts, you would have thought he would have heard of Moore's Law even back then. I think he just really at this point, you know, as the important person at Milton Bradley that he is, is um, items falling off of shelves, right? Yeah. That's really what he, how he looks at it. Come Christmas time, how many of these gadgets do we need to stock? Because he called them gadgets. Right. He did. I mean, he might as well have used widgets, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, really? I mean, yeah. for him, it, it really doesn't go beyond how we can put it in a box and if the box looks good to kids. Yeah, I understand. It's a very basal approach to what this technology is or could be. It reminds me like going back to the old days where if you decided you wanted to play a video game is because you liked the box. I mean, you like the design of the characters or something like that. Mm. We didn't really have game footage and things like that back then. And so, again, there's another thing he can't predict, like uh, buy-in based on the content of the game itself. That's incredible. Within a decade of when this article came out, the arcade was a mainstream thing in 80s America. And you were fans of the character by then, too. Yeah. Not just of playing the game itself, but like you were into the actual character. Yeah. I mean, like you had your arcade game character and oftentimes you would play that game and maybe you were there for hours. And then later on came like choosing your character and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. They couldn't have seen things like that, right? That they could they could use the content of the game to sell the game they're really just like here's a gadget it beeps and you play a game what a difference 20 years makes yeah that's why i think it leans so hard on the marketing 
Yeah, I definitely agree. You you brought up something, and we've we've even touched on this actually in a previous five for five episode about how um, marketing shifting to instead of being less product centric, it became more idea centric. More, uh-huh. more, you know, um, these video game manufacturers, you know, they they eventually figured out we're going to eventually sell you on the idea of the shooter. Yeah, you know, they I mean, started fine tuning to the audience. Yeah. Exactly. And they knew that, look, these people like shooters, you know, so we're going to make the best damn shooter we can. I wonder if this goes across the toys, too, because, you know, back then it was like, a, you know, you were a boy toy or a girl toy, right? At yeah. McDonald's and all of that kind of stuff. And educational toys were kind of like a spinoff and people didn't take them serious. It's so true. You were either a, a toy for a boy, a toy for a girl or a a board game or something, right? Yeah. So this stuff wasn't really subcategorized into like kids specific interests or something like that beyond like cowboy and kitchen. It's true. So we can expect that they would be able to fine tune what's fun about a specific video game. Yeah, I agree with that. They don't really have like the infrastructure to do all of this research and all this stuff at the point at this point or at least they haven't implemented it, right? Right. And, and and I would argue that a lot of that infrastructure really didn't exist back yeah. then. Especially it's a how data we, thing, right? Yeah, especially how we know it today. Because now we just collect data like crazy so that we can specifically even tailor new products to subsets of people. Right. We'll go from A to Z, from concept to production, and oftentimes people won't even consult with other individuals. They'll go based off of data. So then the take-home here was that this stuff was just way too over this guy's head. I agree. I, I definitely think that's for sure the case. Yeah, he was just snowed in by not understanding what he was holding. Agreed. Smart guy, but um, it was something far larger than probably anything he could conceive. I guess he couldn't see into the future of like the huge thing that was about to happen with games. He could have asked his magic eight ball. <laughs> Maybe, right? Right. Well, if we shook a magic eight ball right now, it would probably tell us that chances are good that we're heading into the second half. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do it right after this. All right. This is Evita from Flying Blind Podcast. You're listening to the 5 for 5 Podcast with Panchito and Mike. Subscribe, like, love, and follow us at Zwerk Media. At Z-W-E-R-C Media. Did you get it? Good. Hey everybody, we're back for the second half of the show, 1975 to 1980, and I brought in a story about a toy company. Yeah, really entertaining, but real thought-provoking. Yeah, these guys were a little bit uh, unaware, or the CEO was a little unaware, maybe, of what they were holding in their hands, right? Yeah, kind of one of those things where he's got a gold mine under him, doesn't really realize because he's not really seeing the forest for the trees kind of thing, you know? It's yeah. just, it's bigger than him and we were thinking to ourselves in a modern context what are the toy companies missing out on right now like what have they touched on what are they messing with what are they teasing at that they haven't really completely grasped well enough to be a success to me i'm I'm a bit removed from toys to a certain degree oh sure we don't play with toys anymore right and i don't have kids right that said i think i can think of a couple things sure you know like how many toys are interacting with mobile devices. 
Um, as far as I know, it's just remote control stuff. Like my daughters had these little, uh, like Star Wars, like the BB-8s. Okay. You control it with your phone and stuff like that. Ah, see, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. That's brilliant. Um, but I mean, phone wise, like on our Apple TVs, we can play video games and use a phone as a controller. That's absolutely true. I think the hotness that I've seen, like innovation wise, uh, was VR or, uh, AR, actually, with Minecraft. So, elaborate. You're standing in a room, and then you do AR in the room, like an AR scan. Okay. And it gets the dimensions of the room, and then on your phone, you pull up your Minecraft game, and you switch it to the mode where the AR is, and as you move your phone around, you're seeing the Minecraft world that you've created. That's insane. Per the dimensions of where you are in the room. Oh my gosh, that's absolutely insane. And it was a demo, but... That made me wonder what kinds of things you could do next. I mean, it's AR, so I I don't know. That's kind of it's kind of nuts. That's insane. That almost that almost seems like you can create your own virtual experience based off of your entire home. It's it's only a matter of time until we're living in virtual worlds. Well, uh, now with the VR though, an Oculus is really popular. Yeah, yeah, those HTC Vibes and the Oculus Rifts are really popular devices. I feel like what changes the conversation about us translating because of things like Oculus is what toy means now. So you're basically saying that the term toy is evolving. Yes. I agree with that. Because the last time I played with something that I thought was toy was probably like a Robotech toy or like a a Transformer or something like that, right? Yeah, I have a very, I guess, old school view on what a toy is. I consider things like a video game console like an electronic device. Oh, okay. See, that's where the line is and that's what we need to talk about before we can even try to translate anything. Yeah, I agree with that. Because seriously, like, is my Xbox One a toy? No. Well, then what is it? It's an electronic device. Right, right. But it's not like my Blu-ray player or something like that, right? What I can admit is... Or my Apple TV. Electronic device is overly vague. Okay, so Uh let me be the first one to just admit that. Okay. Um, I would say it's a multimedia device. Okay. And the reason why I can... Multimedia consumption. Yeah, that's why. That's exactly why it's a multimedia device. How about interactive multimedia consumption because it has the actual gameplay function? Interactive multimedia consumption is what you do that makes it a multimedia device when you're going for just general description. Okay. Yeah, that that's so yeah, that that I agree with you. I still agree with you. But not toy. It is not a toy. It is so much more than a toy. So what specifically distances it from toy? Because you could liken it to say like a board game. Like we said, you know, Milton Bradley made Battleship. That's a toy, but it's a board game. Okay, that is true. Uh-huh. That is very true. Um, I guess what doesn't make it a, a toy, toy is uh, okay. This is this is purely subjective. But number one, price point. Okay. Um, I think that toys have a certain accessibility to them. Okay. And uh, a shelf life. And a shelf life. Yeah. Whereas, you buy toys to break. Right. Where and don't get me wrong. For some people, they buy consoles to break too. <laughs> but like, um, generally speaking, the shelf life of a console is seven years to a decade. So yeah, that that's why I I'd say your Xbox isn't a toy, man. Price point in the life. Yeah. 
but you play a game on it. You do. You do. But that's, um, it, it, you know, games have effectively evolved themselves, right? Into something a little bit more of a multimedia experience versus just, you know, playing war. Yeah, playing there's always risk. been a, a gray line. I'm messing with you a little bit because, you know, you can play checkers and say that that game is a toy. And then you can play chess and say that game is not a toy. Well, are we talking about like uh, the glass set of checkers? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of lot of more questions you have to ask to qualify the word toy, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, and I, just I guess the game console is a new version of that, right? Uh, I totally agree with that, yes. Because because think about it, our computers, all right, mm-hmm. the things that, you know, are like our parents paid like $6,000 if they could afford it, you know what I mean, for that now has turned into a, a toy for some people. People who play video games from their PC are essentially, if, if you think a video game system is a toy, then a computer can be a toy. considered a toy. Or a tablet. Or a tablet can be considered a toy. Uh-huh. You know, I disagree with that, but for those who adopt that line of thinking then my gosh there are a lot of toys out there aren't there <laughs> okay well let me ask you this and in the traditional sense of toy right are toys dying because we don't have kb toys anymore we don't have toys R us anymore toys are dying toys are dying toys are dying um it's sad it's a really sad thing because um th- what's happened is that we've re- i think it's the saddest thing you've ever said on this show yeah <laughs> yeah i i'm my gosh that kills me a little bit inside but yeah um no a piece but of your childhood just imploded yeah gone you know but it, it really is i in my opinion because because of the things that you're bringing up right the traditional brick and mortar toy store has pretty much gone extinct right like toys r us isn't around anymore you know yeah, I, toys are a section on amazon if i say that if i say fao schwartz how right. many people will know what i'm talking about yeah you know um rest in peace toys but a lot of it has been the smartphone. The smartphone and the tablet have hyper accelerated. They have literally implemented the last solution for toys. Yeah. I feel like, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, because it's a million board games in your pocket. Yeah. And it's also the um, the parent that, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a parent replacement for some people. Yeah. And, and it's great because now I have a toy plus something that can just keep my kid distracted and crying free, you know? It's like a portable cry room. Absolutely. Yes. You remember the cry room? It had like little like puzzles in the back and little blocks and things like that. Yeah. And like, or like a TV with something so that you could go do whatever you need to do while the kids were in the cry room (laughs) the the smartphone is the modern day cry room yeah but it's out in public yeah because everywhere is the cry room that's it man and it's the smartphone has destroyed toys and it is so sad the video game console however is also a part of this as well they that's what i was gonna ask you next what to what degree is it the fault of a game console it's a large there is so the thing is is that i think smartphones and tablets receive a brunt of the ire of people because of the fact that they're so relevant in our culture right now. Yeah. The video game, I would argue, has maybe an even deeper, like, uh, if we're talking about guilt, like if this were some kind of a trial, right. then I would say yes. Culpability. Yeah, the culpability of the uh, video game is, it has large, it's deep, okay? It's because of the fact that it took kids away from the outside. You know, I come from the, the school of thought that it's really the parents that allowed that to happen, but... You paid a lot of money for this device for that kid to have it. You know what I mean? Like, And it was a social thing, too, because yeah. all the friends had one. Right. And so, they're getting good at the game and your kid's not. Right. And, and, and at the same time, they're all being taken away from the street or outside mm-hmm. or their toys. 
Right. You know what I mean? Because if they're playing with their toys, then they'll have other desires for more toys or different toys. You know what I mean? You go to the store, you want to look at toys instead of the next copy of Mortal Kombat. Yeah, less and less they're swiping uh, Frisbee at Target than they are swiping Nintendo points. It's true. You know, like think about how now you go to a birthday party, right, for a child. And it's like basically just gift cards and uh-huh. like power ups, power up points of some kind. Yeah. And well, eventually we're just going to transfer each other the credits. Happy birthday. Bing. Bing. Yep. You're so right, man. Because we already have. Mm-hmm. We've, we've already begun. Venmo. Uh-huh. The banks. Well, it's cool because Venmo, if they want to, they have the power to start being in the toy market, essentially, because you can probably give each other directly like Xbox cash or something like that. That's true. You you could definitely uh, partner up with those entities and start, you know, basically being like a broker of their currency. Because it's digital anyways. Right. So when you go to Venmo something, it gives you the option to choose what it is that you want to Venmo. Right. Do you want to send uh, Xbox, you know, points or whatever? Apple you, Cash. Apple. Yeah. Apple Cash. Or you'd be like, oh, hey, uh, happy birthday, man. Um, Here you go. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. A $100 iTunes gift card. Dope. I was going to get you the new Bumblebee Transformer, but that doesn't exist. Anymore. Anymore, right? Forever. <laughs> I feel like the only people who really like buy toys now, right, besides like maybe uh, parents of infants, are uh, maybe vid- like collectors. Yeah. You know, people who like Funko. Those- yeah. You know, shout out to Funko, though, man. I love what they do. Me too. Me too. It's man. brilliant. I-, I-, I agree. But, you know, the fact that Funko does so well actually is because the toy is dead, right? Or is dying. Are they? It's on its last breaths. They're hardcore attacking us through nostalgia. Is it that they're attacking us through nostalgia or are they already filling a void that's there? I mean, either way, it's a sensitive spot, right? Exactly. It's either tugging at the heartstring or reminding us that we have a hole somewhere that we missed. Because they they are so dope. (laughs) They are. They're really dope. And then they're always like Johnny on the spot with like the next... The next pop thing. Exactly. They stay relevant. So fast. See, now that's the opposite of what happened with the Milton Bradley guy. 100%. They saw something that was sort of a... That it was just dim and very, very aggressively understood how to take that dim thing and make it super marketable. What little they understood. They could have actually had a leg up on Nintendo being Milton Bradley if they wanted to. Yeah, that's you know true. I mean? Because uh-huh. I'm, I'm talking purely from like a fiscal, like a capital standpoint. You know what yeah. I mean? And instead, they went in a complete opposite direction. They ended up trailing them. Big time. Yeah. I mean, now video games are, are still a global phenomenon. Well, it's almost to the point where like the big three try not to bump heads anymore because they share the market and it's a humongous market. Yeah, it's it's definitely massive. And it's crazy because it's, it's ever growing. Well, I mean, big four if you count PC. I'm not counting PC. I do. I know. <laughs> I can't. I just can't play a game like that. Except Tetris. Because then I can just use arrow keys in the space bar. No, man. When you see that proper 3D environment rendered properly with a powerful system, it's just like, nope, no consoles. Nope, never again. Can't do that. I don't have time for gaming anyways, man. I got to make podcasts. No, that's true. It's true. I, I like I could probably have both in one week, maybe put in an hour at, at best or two. Well, speaking of making time for things, we should probably make time for wrapping up the show, Mike. Uh, definitely. All right. Well, let's do it after this. Okay.
This is Evita from Flying Blind Podcast. You're listening to the 5 for 5 Podcast with Panchito and Mike. Okay, everybody, we're ready to wrap up the show. This is the final part where we give out the pointless points and the pointless prizes. But the journey through history is priceless. It is, and that's why we do it. Mike, I brought in the story, which means you owe me the points or prize. What'd you got for me? A PC. (laughs) A PC? Yeah, that's right. I got you a PC because it is superior to a Mac. And it is time for you to be separated from your precious Apple device and brought into the, the proper fold and assimilate. I can't do that. I'm too attached to my Apple stuff, man. iTunes all day just click the windows button oh my lord and plus i have all my video on there and everything it's just too much work i have apple music on my on my pc it just doesn't it's not the same that's true yeah (laughs) itunes isn't the same on pc (laughs) (laughs) all right well we do know that our podcast sounds the same on itunes so if you haven't checked it out do that that's right we are pc and mac friendly with our podcast it's something special about what we do it has something to do with the pitch of our voices or something i'm not sure shout out to our engineer well it's time that we get out of here we want to thank everybody for joining us if you haven't already remember to subscribe like love and follow us at zwerk media that's right folks that's z-w-e-r-c media mike thanks a lot for another great show thanks pachito peace out